0: In. Talk. Oh, thank you all for tuning in to the 387th episode of Barbershop Sports Talk with me, your Daryl D. Lynn, as always, wherever you are. However, maybe listening, I want to thank you for making me and the show part of your day, whether it be via Spotify, iTunes, Stitcher, Apple Podcast, Google Podcast, Air Radio, SoundCloud, Pandora, whichever podcasting or platform you may be listening to me via. Being recorded from Buffalo, New York, per usual. Gonna have Scotty Johnson on the pod. <clears throat> we're gonna do our uh, NBA All Stars. Uh, we're gonna go through our starters and our bench as well. Also, I'm gonna have Joe Mullinax on. He is the editor in chief of the Grizzly Bear Blues. Going to have him on the pod to talk about everything Memphis Grizzlies. Now, before I get to all that, I want to say this shameless plug as always. Thank you for tuning into this edition of the show, but I need you to subscribe and follow right now. Also, share this podcast with your friends and family, whether it be via Reddit threads, Facebook groups, etc., etc. Also, check on the description below, specifically if you're listening via Spotify, because here's the deal. You can click on the timestamp and we'll send you to whichever part of the podcast you would most like to listen to. It is for your convenience, folks. Follow me on Twitter at Night Train underscore Lane and subscribe to my YouTube channel. Just type in Daryl Lane. You will find that I post two to five minute clips of this podcast right here as well as my syndicate show outside the shop. And lastly, if you have Apple or iTunes, give me five stars and a great review for some odd reason, right? If you don't like the pod, then don't worry. Just don't say anything. Because you know what your mama told you? If you don't have anything nice to say, don't say it at all. And cut up next after the break on Barbershop Sports Talk, we're gonna have Joel Molinex on the show, editor-in-chief of the Grizzly Bear Blues, to talk about everything Memphis, Grizzlies, John Morant, those old grit and grind days of Marcus All, Zach Randolph, etc. etc. Gonna dive into all that. Cut up next after the break on Barbershop Sports Talk. Five, color. Oh, we're back with Barbershop Sports Talk. We have a very special guest with us, Joe Mullinax. He is the site manager for the Grizzly Bear Blues. How you doing, man?
1: I'm doing okay, buddy. I appreciate you having me on. How
0: are you doing? I'm doing absolutely fantastic. So first, let's start with this. Did you think, in your wildest imaginations... At this point in the NBA season, the Grizzlies would be like, what, top four seed in the West?
1: Uh, they're third as we speak. I believe they're in front of the Utah Jazz. No, I I did not think they would be at this point. My goal for them this season was to be like the six seed or maybe the five seed. Just be outside of the play-in was my goal because they've obviously been in the two play-in tournament series things. They're the only team to actually be in both of them so far. So my hope for them was to avoid it and be in the playoffs solidly. But impressively, they are looking down the barrel of potentially hosting a first-round playoff series, which would be pretty remarkable, to say the
0: least. What do you think is the biggest reason for the Grizzlies' ascension? Like, obviously, they've been a pretty good team, solid team in that 8-9-10 range in terms of uh, that play-in tournament. Uh, One year, they didn't get in the bubble. The other year, they did get in. What do you think is the difference between being that team that's on the fringe to now they're you know one of the big dogs out west, kind of?
1: John Morant's an MVP candidate, and he's obviously not going to win. I'm not trying to say he is. Giannis and Jokic and Kevin Durant and Bede, all those guys have uh, larger claims to it, understandably so. But it's John Morant being an MVP caliber player. He's dominating uh, almost every matchup that he's seeing He's added a somewhat relevant three-point shot. I think he's shooting about 35% from beyond the arc this year, which makes him almost unguardable because, again, that's maybe a little bit below average, but that's a heck of a lot better than what he was doing last season. He's just so crafty with the ball, so explosive. His handle is underrated. Um, The fact that he is probably on Thursday night going to be named an all-star starter, he's an all-NBA caliber player, that has been the biggest reason. He hasn't done it alone. Desmond Bain has been a revelation. You could argue he's a, a most improved player candidate. Jaron Jackson Jr. has taken a major leap as a defensive player. There are multiple role players on this roster that are contributing at high levels. Uh, Tyus Jones is having a great season. John Conchar, Brandon Clark. I could go on and on, but the straw that stirs the drink is John Morant. He is that special. He is that dude. and uh, He's proven that he is capable of of being the best player uh, on a title contending team. They still probably need another guy that can score that's a hybrid wing. They probably won't get that uh, until this summer would be my guess. But that's okay because the vibes are immaculate right now. And the team's chemistry is at an all-time high. And they enjoy playing for each other. They enjoy playing together. And the guy that kind of leads that charge is Ja Moran.
0: What has Ja improved the most on from last year to this year for you?
1: The three-point shooting stands out, like I mentioned earlier. He also is just more aggressive. He, he is looking for his shot more consistently. He's not deferring as much as maybe he has in the past, and there's reasons for that. The trade of Jared Jackson, or excuse me, the trade of Eunice Valanciunas uh, for Steven Adams, and obviously there was a pick swap there. Zaire Williams was taken number 10 overall, and he's done some good things this year, too, uh, as a young rookie. there, 20 years old out of Stanford. Uh, but with Jonas Valanciunas being gone uh, and a superior overall player than Steven Adams, but Steven Adams can impact a basketball game without him taking a shot. The same can't be said uh, of Jonas Valanciunas. So Adams focuses on screening. Adams focuses on rebounding. John ja Morant has earned some, or, uh, gained some shot attempts in the absence of Jonas Valanciunas. And that doesn't mean that Memphis is better because Jonas is gone. It means that in the opportunity that was left behind, With the offensive focus that Jonas would get, Desmond Bain has got bigger looks, and Jared Jackson Jr., and Dylan Brooks when he's healthy. I left him out earlier. But he's been off and on this year in terms of his health. Uh, It's really with Ja the fact that he has been more aggressive, getting to the rim, trying to get to the free throw line. He is more active defensively. He's still a work in progress there. But he really is good at playing passing lanes, Uh, He's done a very good job with his deflections, which is something the Grizzlies try to prioritize to get out in transition. So he's just become more of a complete player, and he's become more of a killer instinct type of scorer, where he sees his opportunities, he takes them. In the past, he's tried to get his teammates going before himself. Now he does a little bit of both at the same time, and he has the capacity to do so, which is really impressive to watch unfold.
0: So in the hierarchy of the NBA, you kind of mentioned, right, there's still the Jokers, the Nicole Jokic's, the uh, Kevin Durant's, the LeBron's, the Giannis's. Where does Ja rank for you in terms of that hierarchy? Top 5, Top 10, Top 15?
1: I would say in terms of point guards, he's the second best behind Steph. And, you know, that's not meant as disrespect to Trey Young or... Luka Doncic or, you know, Chris Paul. And l- calling Luka a point guard is, you know, he's more point forward. We can have debates about <laughs> positions and all that stuff. Uh, but but for me, in terms of true traditional point guards, it, it's Steph and then it's Ja. I'm, I'm impressed every day that I watch him play with how much he commands attention from the opposing team. And still he's able to get whatever he wants because of his activity level, because of his handle, his athleticism. On the offensive end, uh, overall, he's probably a, a top ten-ish, top ten to twelve player in the NBA. I, I certainly wouldn't put him in front of a Jokic or a Giannis. Uh, Steph, I mentioned a moment ago, Kevin Durant's probably still in front. You know, he's probably a second team All NBA player at his peak, third team. Uh, and I, when I say at his peak, I mean this season. Uh, third team, you know. I think is a lower level kind of thing. If we're talking top fifteen players in the NBA, I'll put the question on you. Can you really think of fifteen other dudes you'd rather have on your team than John Morant? I'd
0: I'd be hard-pressed. It would take a lot of mental gymnastics.
1: (laughs) I think at this stage, he's at worst a third-team All-NBA player, and again, that's a testament to how he's grown his game. He's only twenty-two years old. You know, he's got a long ways to go. So even if you put Luka Doncic in front of of uh, what Ja Morant is doing that is understandable. Again, I would I'd probably debate with you a little bit, but I would understand. I, I wouldn't have Ja behind Chris Paul at this point. Chris Paul is still very good defensively, and he's a great creator of offense for his team, but he's not as explosive as Ja is offensively. And, and Trey Young, obviously, has that offensive elite ability, but it's not translating to improving the, the existence of his team. It's not Bringing guys up with him at this stage, like Ja is doing. So I would say, at worst, Jaw. If you count Luca as a point guard, Ja is the the third best point guard. I would say again, overall maybe Luca is better. But this season, I think Ja has outplayed Luca to the stage, and that's probably why you know Morant will almost certainly be named an All Star starter on Thursday. I would be surprised if he wasn't.
0: Why are you so definitive with Ja over a uh, Chris Paul, and particularly Trey Young? Because I do think that's interesting. Because Trey Young is a guy who kind of broke out last year when they took the Hawks to the conference finals. Because uh, you seem very definitive on that.
1: Well, I think we're talking about this season,
0: right? I, I think that's an important thing to
1: point out. It's not necessarily, you know, reflecting back on what was. It, it's what is. And this Grizzlies team, this time last season, had to win the play-in tournament just to get into the playoffs they were the eighth seed that team is very not much not this team this team is aggressive this team is walking tall this team is beating good basketball teams and they're finding ways to win even when John Morant is out or even when Dylan Brooks is out for extended periods Desmond Bain has been the latest guy in health and safety protocols and every team is dealing with that I'm not trying to say that you know, it's only Memphis, woe is me. Pretty much every team in the NBA has had some stretch with a bunch of dudes out for a variety of reasons. I, I just see John Morant as an explosive player who not only can take over games by himself, he can help others take over pieces of games through their three-point shooting, through their secondary facilitation, through their slashing and cutting to the rim, their play in transition. What Morant is doing is not just raising up his level of play, it is raising up the entire quality of the Grizzlies, and I hold that at a pretty high standard. So for me, it's Morant. Uh, I think you can make, like I said, if you say Luca's a point guard, then there's obviously an argument for Luca in front of Ja. I have a hard time putting Trey in front of Ja uh, for the reason I just said. Same thing with Chris Paul. Ja is the definitive number 1 player on his team too. That's an important thing to point out. Obviously Trey Young is for Atlanta. I'm talking about with Paul, he's more of a complimentary piece behind Devin Booker. You know, he's that second man essentially for Phoenix. The the
0: the whole thing goes through Ja and trickles down from there for the Grizzlies. What would be your argument for Ja over Luka?
1: For Jaw over Luka is just production this season, you know. Morant has been doing this pretty much the entire season, the way that he's played. It's been at this level. Any game he's played, he's really been that effective, give or take, two or three performances. Luka had a slow start. You know, he came in out of shape, and he admitted that himself. His conditioning wasn't up to snuff, and I, I think that that kind of holds him back a little bit in this particular season. Overall, Luka Doncic has obviously had a larger body of work than Morant, and you can make that argument for Luka over Jaw in terms of overall play. I'm talking about this particular season, this stretch of 40-some, almost 50 games. I would say Morant has outplayed Luka. That doesn't mean that Luka can't catch up or that in a seven-game playoff series, Dallas wouldn't potentially be favored against the Grizzlies. I think there's things that the Mavericks do that would give Memphis a lot of issues. But again, we're talking about how this season has played out these past 45 to 50 games. And I think Jaw has been the better player over that time period.
0: Who does Jaw uh, ja remind you of, if anybody?
1: I see a lot of Allen Iverson with Jaw Morant. Okay, yeah.
0: I haven't heard that one as much. Allen Iverson, so why that?
1: I think that he the way that he plays, the, the swagger that he plays with, the reckless abandon, the lack of caring. And again, John ja Morant is like 6'3", 180 or something along those lines. So it's not like he, he's small, but he's not like super small. He's not tiny like Iverson was, um, or like Chris Paul is, or not tiny. But you understand, Mike.
0: Jaw yes. has a decent frame. AI was like five ten. <laughs> right there, you go. So,
1: so Jaw still has a decent frame compared to that, but he is fearless attacking to the rim. He's one of the top ten scorers in the paint this season in the entire NBA. He's the only non-big to be able to claim that. Every other big in the National Basketball, every other player in that list is a big in the NBA, except for John Morant, when it comes to scoring in the paint and at the rim. So he's fearless when he gets to the rim. He can do it whenever he wants. He knows it. He carries himself with that confidence, that swagger. Uh, He he just has a lot of AI to him in terms of his game and how he attacks offensively. I I really enjoy watching it. He's Iverson 2.0 for me.
0: So why not, uh, do you not see the same similarities with like a Derrick Rose or a Russell Westbrook? Because usually I feel like those are the two names people will mention.
1: Derrick Rose more than Russell Westbrook. I don't necessarily see as much Russ because Russ's effort really kind of shines through, especially in his rebounding. I see a lot more Rose when it comes to the explosiveness, the way that job ja gets to the basket, can create contact. You know, the the floater game is a little bit different in terms of what Ja can do compared to Rose and compared to Westbrook. So I I think Ja, first and foremost, I think Ja Morant's the first Ja Morant. Uh, He he has a very unique style to how he does things. Very few guys combine that handle that he has. Like I said, I think that's very underrated for his game. Uh, With the athleticism that he possesses, Iverson, to me, kind of stands out in that way in terms of that athletic ability, and Rose would as well. But I think Ja just has a more refined game at a younger age than Derrick Rose did. Morant has a lot more tools in the tool belt. Rose could just blow by you because he was so explosive, and it was damn impressive to watch. But I think Morant just has a, you know, whether it's his floater, the way that he's able to spin in the air, how he hangs in the air and creates contact with his body, that just is unique to him.
0: When was the first time you saw Ja play, or maybe it was when he was at Murray State, and you were like, okay, this guy, there's something to this guy. He's a little bit different.
1: It was definitely at Murray State. I'm not going to lie to you and say, I knew about Ja Moran from the AAU days. (laughs) Uh, Murray State was definitely the first time. And to be honest, I think it was, it wasn't the NCAA tournament. I had watched him play before that. It was a game where there was a highlight where he cuts to the basket on the baseline and he does a dunk over somebody and I don't remember the team. I don't remember the guy who was a seven footer or close to a seven footer that he essentially jumped over. And I had watched that game and I'd seen that highlight on sports center. And I thought, Oh my God, that guy is explosive. And then I, I loosely followed him from there, knowing that the Grizzlies were you know, going to be in that seven or eight pick range. And with the new lottery rules, maybe they would get lucky and, and move up in draft picks, which is exactly what happened. Um, and then the NCAA tournament, of course, came and he led, I believe it was Florida State that he led that upset over and had a triple-double in that game. And, you know, He just really was an impressive athlete. He had a really awesome mentality. And that's one of my favorite things about Ja is, not to throw shade at Zion Williamson or maybe some other rookies, but John ja Morant does not have some complex about playing in Memphis. This is a guy that was inside gyms in the AAU scene. Uh, there in uh, South Carolina. He was underrated. He was overlooked. He, he's happy to be the star and the main focus of a team in a market like Memphis. There is no small market when it comes to where he came from. So I, I think that the mentality that that was bred in him or that, was, that came about in him because of that relationship it is really cool to kind of see play out. Uh, I've really enjoyed watching that translate to his physical play. So much of what he thinks of himself and what he believes in himself mentally is visible through how he plays, and that was true at Murray State, and it's true now.
0: Because even you mentioned that, right? Like Murray State, that's not a basketball powerhouse. I don't even think that's Power Five, right? That's not even Power no, Five.
1: It's, gr- it's group of five.
0: Yeah, it's a group, group of five. five, and and I believe he was there for two years, right? Um,
1: I'm not sure. Honestly, at the top of my head, I'm not. He was 20 when he came into the league, so that sounds right. Yeah, 22
0: now, which is Uh, it's it's a lot different from the norm too. When you look at a star, right, Uh, non-power five school, stayed in college for more than one year, so it does show that you know there's a little bit of a different makeup there than maybe your typical high draft pick.
1: Right, and again, he was underappreciated coming out of the draft. You know, Zion Williamson obviously kind of sucked all the air out of the room. Understandably so, when it came to that draft. Uh, I think there's a lot of folks that try to act like they're smarter than they are when they say that, you know, oh, well, Josh should go number one in a redraft. Well, hold your horses. That that lacks a lot of hindsight. John Morant was a pretty unanimous number one. Or, excuse me, not John Morant. Zion Williamson was a pretty unanimous number one. And, you know, if the Grizzlies had won the lottery and moved up to one, I would have wanted them to take Zion Williamson and not John Morant. So, well, let's all be honest about that. But thank goodness that didn't happen because, you know, John Morant and Memphis fit like a, a hand in a glove. And I, I do believe that that fit is part of what makes it so special. He you, he relates to Memphis. He understands the market. He understands the process there. And the Grizzlies fans love him for it. You know, if you, if you show love to Memphis, Memphis will show you love back. And, and John Morant has definitely gotten a good handle on that at a young age.
0: When we look back at that draft class, you think it's going to kind of be like maybe a a Greg Oden, Kevin Durant situation where everybody's like, my God, the number two pick ended up, you know, going to all these great heights, and it's like, what happened to the number one guy?
1: I hope not, to be honest with you, for, for Zion's sake. I wouldn't wish that on anybody, but it certainly looks like we're on that path, right? He can't stay healthy. He has weight concerns. There's all sorts of things that aren't going right for Zion Williamson right now. And I hope that improves because he is someone who is so gifted and so able to take over and dominate basketball games. He's a blast to watch too. And Zion versus Ja is an amazing potential. Cause again, it was the Pelicans and the Grizzlies. They're in the same division They're in the Western conference that, that had a lot of rivalry, you know, even friendly rivalry. Cause obviously Zion and Ja played together in South Carolina, um, uh, the, the the idea that those two guys could be friendly rivals or for the next decade plus, you know, that was enticing. That that would have been really cool to see and watch play out. So I don't know if that's gonna happen in NOLA. I don't know if, you know, New York is in the future for Williamson or whatever the case may be, but I just hope he's able to stay on the basketball court consistently because the NBA is much more entertaining when there's a healthy Zion Williamson off the floor.
0: Yeah, that's very, very true. How much do you think the Grizzlies learned from that first year with Ja losing in the play-in game in the bubble to the Blazers from uh, the year after that, where they beat uh, they beat the Warriors to get in to the uh, playoffs? How much do you think that team learned?
1: Context is important, right? The Warriors team was pretty beat up that they beat there in that play-in in the second year, but uh, I call it scar tissue. You know, going all the way back to that first year. Beating the, or excuse me, losing the Trailblazers in that first play in game ever in the Western Conference, going from that into the play in tournament the second year, having a chance to win that play in tournament, be that eight seed, beat Utah in the first game, uh, which is really impressive when you think about it, having the chance to win one game in Utah. And of course, the Jazz swept them the rest of the way, but even winning one game against that Jazz team, the way that the Grizzlies were constructed is really impressive, and I, I do believe that you have to keep the context and the understanding that the Memphis Grizzlies have made no move yet since Zach Klein, the general manager, has taken over three years ago almost now. They have yet to make a move that is a buying move. Everything they've done, except for draft picks, like maybe they'll give up a couple of second-round picks to get the 30th overall pick, which became Desmond Bate, or they'll move up to get Brandon Clark they've done those sorts of things, but they haven't made a trade for a guy that is going to help them win immediately. That has yet to occur. And they're still in this place where they've progressed in a linear way up and up and up. And the play in tournament's a great example of that. They earned scar tissue, a tough loss to Damian Lillard and the talented trailblazers team from a couple of years ago. And then a loss to the Utah jazz after winning that play in tournament They're building that scar tissue. They're learning what it takes to win at that level. And that may not translate to a playoff run this coming season. I still think, like I said earlier, they they need another guy, especially off the bench. Uh, But, you know, in general, as a starter, if they wanted to go get a third star, that would be great. But at the bare minimum, they need somebody as a reserve that can score and take some of the load off of Morant so they don't have to stagger these rotations so much. I think that that is something they're missing, but they are not missing the culture that's been developed by Taylor Jenkins, the head coach, Zach Klein, and the GM. Obviously, every player has a major piece in that. John Morant being the head of the snake, so to speak. The culture of this team is really impressive, and that's what's going to carry them, and part of that is what they learned in terms of what it's going to take to win in terms of execution, playing hard defensively, shot-making in tough situations, using the energy of the crowd uh, or the lack thereof, uh, because of the bubble with the Blazers, there's so many things that they could have gleaned from that whole process. And I think they have. They've talked about it repeatedly. And I'm sure they'll continue to apply that information and knowledge moving forward.
0: So with this, and it sounds like from what you've said, you think Jaws of a different mold. You don't think that Jaws is ever going to be one of those superstars who asks out of Memphis.
1: No, I don't think so. That that doesn't mean that I think Morant's going to you know, be like Kobe Bryant and play his entire career there. I'd love that. That'd be great. Uh, but you can't predict, you know, what, seven years down the road what things are going to look like. I know that John Morant, if he makes the All-NBA team, will be eligible for a Supermax, and I know that the Memphis Grizzlies are going to offer him that, and I know he's going to accept it. So he's certainly going to be here at least for the next five years or so. I think that's probably a safe bet uh, for Grizzlies fans. Beyond that... You play out your first two contracts, and you earn the right to go into unrestricted free agency, and we'll see what Ja does. I don't see him actively pursuing the Lakers or the Clippers or the Nets or, you know, looking for the bright lights of the big city. I mean, this guy in his third year, or his first year, was Rookie of the Year. In his third year, he had a Nike campaign, the Says Who commercials that were awesome. You know, he's probably in line for his own shoe in the next year or two from Nike, given his performances. Uh, he's getting a lot of this attention that you would get in a big market. So why would he need to leave? It, it, it's, I see him lining up more with like Giannis than anything in terms of wanting to be successful in the place that, that drafted him and is bought into him and is built around him and trying to get to the championship that way. And that, That's what I think is going to happen with Morant. So there's been nothing that has suggested that Ja has any discontent or any desire... To get out of Memphis.
0: What's John Morant's ceiling?
1: It's an interesting question. I, I don't know. The, the sky is the ceiling. <laughs> the, 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 I, I honestly, like, could he
0: legitimately be sure? the best player in the league someday?
1: I think that you know, if we're saying that the best player in the league right now is Kevin Durant or Giannis Antetokounmpo or whoever Nikola Jokic, is he possible? Is it possible that he could be an MVP? Yes, I think you can make an argument he's an MVP candidate right now. Uh, He wouldn't win, but I feel that he has done enough to be in that conversation, and he's 22 years old. So continuing to refine his three-point game, the perimeter game, continuing to find ways to get his looks and get to the free-throw line, all of these things are going to come with time. He has continued opportunity to develop and grow. That's not going to change anytime soon. I think he could be the best player in the NBA someday because of what he's got, not just as an athlete, but, I, you know, I'm watching the game against the Spurs right now. He just hit a step-back three. Like, if John Moran can consistently hit a step-back three, it's over. You you can't defend him. It's impossible.
0: Now, I want to get to this, because uh, I did want to ask you this, and I want your opinion on this. Those Zach Randolph, Marcus, saw Mike Conley, Grizzlies teams, how underrated and underappreciated do you think those teams are? They're not underrated and underappreciated in Memphis, I... <laughs> you know, and, and they're
1: not underrated and underappreciated by me. Uh, they're the reason I'm still doing this. I lived in Memphis from 2011 until 2014, so I was there at the peak of crit and grind. I was there for the Western Conference Finals and you know all the amazing times that the upset— or not upset, the defeat of the Clippers in that playoff series that was like a wrestling match where Zach Randolph's jumping and skipping off the court— I was there at that game, and, and I felt what that was. That was very real and very emotional. It was the most organic thing I had ever felt at a sporting event that was a professional sporting event. Uh, the city and the team were truly intertwined. It's not like they solved world hunger or ended racism. or I, I think that's a little bit unrealistic to talk about, but they certainly made a city feel like they were special, that they had something that nobody else did. And, you know, if you were there for it, you know, it was real. And you know that that was something that was, was it, like I said, when it comes about organically, it's not forced, it's not processed. It's, it's not some corporation trying to tell you how to feel that makes it all the more special. So would a championship have been cool? Of course, a championship would have been cool, but I'm, I'm very grateful that I got to be there for a group of guys that nobody really counted on, no one really thought would become, become much of anything, and, and they found themselves, and they became a pretty damn good team. And Knock on wood, it, it looks like Lightning might be striking in the bottle twice because John ja Morant, Murray State, Jaron Jackson Jr., underrated coming out of Michigan State. You have Brandon Clark, Desmond Bain. All these guys that are a part of this core right now have similar chips on their shoulders to that grit-and-grind group. And sometimes when they play defense, it looks like Tony Allen might come out and kick somebody in the face. He's so excited. Uh, <laughs> it watching, going back to when he did that to Chris Paul uh, during the, the Lob City-Grit-and-Grind rivalry. Uh, it, it was a lot of fun. And I think that Grizzlies fans are extremely lucky that they had that experience and that the beginnings of this era with John Morant uh, it, it it feels similar in a lot of ways, and that's really cool to be able to say because now uh, I know plenty of fans that have never felt that feeling from their pro sports team. College, high school, that's different. You're more engaged, more involved, more invested. From the pros, that that's a special thing, and, and Memphis might be stumbling upon it again, but yeah, grit and grind was, was wonderful to, to be a small part of. I, I'm very grateful that I was.
0: So that whole thing started in 2011 when they were the eighth seed, and they beat the Spurs. Did you think it Correct. would all, did you, did you think it would go to where it went?
1: In that first playoff season? Yes. I I did not think that they were going to be in a position to upset the Thunder. I mean, the Thunder, that was James Harden, uh, Kevin Durant, Russell Westbrook, uh, Oklahoma City Thunder. And they almost you know, did. Okay.
0: Then There was one game that was like triple overtime that they should have won.
1: Correct. You know, Gravis Vasquez, Heroics, and, and all sorts of craziness. I didn't think it would get to there from watching the games, and that was early in my fandom, like I said, that was right at the beginning of my time in Memphis, the Spurs were old, you know, they were kind of ripe at that time, they needed to retool and reset, and they did, to their credit, Um, but they they were, that particular Spurs team was kind of fool's gold, and and I think the Grizzlies, if you look back at how that season ended, they purposely wanted the Spurs, they thought that Antonio McDyess was going to get ripped apart by Zach Randolph, and They thought they matched up well with San Antonio, and it turns out they were right. Uh, But I I do think that the fact that they competed so well with the Thunder was something that really was shocking because that Thunder team had all the talent in the world. Here's Memphis, scrappy Memphis, still hanging tough and making their life a little pretty difficult. And that was a precursor of what was to come. You know, the Grizzlies every year were a tough out more often than not. Even the Western Conference Finals where they got swept by those Spurs Uh, It wasn't a traditional sweep. I think a couple of those games went to overtime as well.
0: Who do you think was the fan favorite of those three guys? So you have Marc Gasol, Mike Conley, Zach Randolph. I'll put Tony Allen in there too.
1: Zach Randolph, 100%. The the best player in terms of ability was Marc Gasol, in my opinion. But the the greatest grizzly of all time, the one that is most popular, is Zach Randolph. You, You talk about somebody that embodies a city. That's Zeebo in a nutshell. You know, the way that he carried himself, the way that he supported the city. He would pay people's power bills. You know, he would do all these wonderful things to to help folks out in the community. Uh, Zach was very much an embodiment and a personification of Memphis toughness, of Memphis perseverance, resiliency. Uh, It's Zach Randolph with a bullet. The way that he played. I've never been to a basketball game. Where, you know, when you see somebody, like, say, peak LeBron James is out in transition. And, you know, Dwayne Wade's there getting ready to throw him a lob. You know how the arena, like, you'll hear, like, a roar kind of building up, like, anticipation. People know it's about to happen. That would occur in FedEx Forum when Zach Randolph got the ball on the block, like, in the low post. And that wouldn't happen anywhere else in the NBA, I think it's fair to say. It's pretty amazing that Zach had that level of impact on the Grizzlies, considering his limited skill set, or excuse me, limited athleticism. His skill set was obviously very impressive, uh, but he could barely jump over a phone uh, phone book, and he would say that himself, and people don't even know what a phone book is anymore. I just dated myself. (laughs) Uh, Back in the day, there were very large books that had people's phone numbers in them, uh, and he could barely jump over that, and you know, he, he was a great rebounder, a tremendous scorer, He was the star, one of the first superstars for this Grizzlies franchise. Uh, It was really, really fun to watch him play, and I think that almost any Grizzlies fan would say, again, Marc Gasol was probably the best player in terms of basketball, but the greatest in terms of combining that basketball skill with connection to the city is Zach Randolph.
0: How much do you think, were you happy when Marc Gasol won for the Raptors?
1: Yeah, I was thrilled. Uh, I thought that was a good fit for him. I wanted him to win a championship. I knew it wasn't going to happen with the Grizzlies. So <laughs> the, the Raptors were the team that were the best fit. Jonas Valanciunas was a good return. Um, I thought they got a pretty good deal back for Mark, considering that he was towards the end of his career. So, or, or at least towards the end of him being a star esque type of player. So, no, I, I was pretty I, obviously I I liked Mark. I didn't want to see him go, but I knew that the rebuild was coming I knew it was time Mike Conley was obviously traded later on that year and it was the end of an era but it was necessary you know you don't have what you watch with the Grizzlies now if they tried to hold on even longer to something that wasn't there anymore so I was sad because it was the end of you know my favorite era of basketball ever but at the same time it was you know all good things must come to an end and Mark got a championship out of it and the Grizzlies were able, or Grizzlies fans were able to support and, and be uh, Toronto South for a month or two there in the playoffs that year.
0: Should Paul Gasol get any consideration as the best Grizzly ever?
1: Some people say that. I'm gonna say no because they didn't win a playoff game with Paul. Uh, obviously, regular season wise, his numbers would suggest he's in that conversation. I think he's one of the top five, uh, maybe top three. To me, you know, maybe Mike Conley versus Paul Gasol is an interesting debate. I think it's Marcus all one, Zach Randolph two, I put Mike Conley three, and then Paul Gasol four. That would be my personal ranking of the top four Grizzlies of all time. But there are folks that will definitely say that it was Paul because that was the first run of success that the Memphis Grizzlies had ever had. You know, the first playoff series they had ever made. And that that was not something that was guaranteed back then, to say the least. Back in those pyramid days. When they played inside a giant pyramid next to the Mississippi River, uh, you know that that was not a foregone conclusion that Memphis was going to be you know successful. So Powell deserves recognition for that, but I think those three guys, Mark, Zach, and Mike, uh, are, are all superior in terms of what they brought production-wise.
0: And Tony Allen, most one of the most underrated players of an era. Uh, I don't think people realize how good, especially on defense, I, don't, I think he's only made a couple all-defensive teams, which is a shame because I think as time goes on, people are going to forget how good Tony Allen was on defense.
1: Well, the great Kobe Bryant, rest in peace, he definitely knew how good Tony Allen was. He said time and time again that Tony Allen was the best defender that he ever faced. And, uh, you know, T.A. was remarkable in terms of his studying. It wasn't just his athleticism, his lateral quickness, his hands. He had all those skills. But he was, he was always watching film. He was always looking for advantages in that way, too. He was a student of the game. And when you put all those things together, the effort that goes into playing great defense, Tony was definitely elite in that area. So I agree. I don't think he's appreciated enough. He's eventually going to have his number retired in Memphis. And, you know, people are going to look at that and think that's silly because of his statistics. If you paid attention to the Grizzlies during the grit and grind era, I mean, the idea of grit and grind literally came from Tony Allen, so uh, it's hard to see the Memphis Grizzlies and what they've become without what Tony Allen brought to the franchise.
0: And he was really underrated player for the Celtics, too, during that little sure. big three run, which I don't think people realize as well. He was a really good uh, little defensive stopper off the bench. I, I think Tony Allen's underrated, similar to like how a guy like Drew Holiday is underrated on defense. Like I don't think people realize how good Drew Holiday is like on all the ball defense, kind of like Tony Allen was. Right. Like, we're their guys. They'll just swallow you up. <laughs> like... Absolutely. So, Joe, thank you for coming on the podcast, man. I appreciate it. No problem. Happy to do it. Thank you for having me.
1: Uh, folks can check us out at grizzlybearblues.com. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at Joe Mullinax if you want to make that poor choice. Uh, you can follow the blog at, at SBN Grizzlies. And uh, I, I, like I said, I really appreciate the chance to come on and talk Grizzlies basketball. It's a fun time to be a fan of the Grizzlies.
0: Thank you for coming on again. And cut him next out of the break on Barbershop Sports Talk. we gonna have Scotty Johnson on the show to reveal our NBA All-Star picks, starters, and reserves. Cut him next out of the break on Barbershop Sports Talk. She
2: says she too young, no one. So she gon' call her friends, now oh, that's plan I just saw the sushi from Japan Now y'all just wanna kickin' Jackie Chan
0: Dropped up how we rollin' now, don't self herself, bitch. Yeah, look like Kelly Rollin' this might Oh we're back with Barbara Shots Sports Talk And we have my brother, Scotty Johnson with us How you doing, Scotty?
2: I'm doing great, my guy, how are you?
0: I'm doing absolutely fantastic. So what me and Scotty are going to do is going to talk about all these all-star picks. Uh, the starters were announced. We'll also talk about who we think should be some of the reserves. So, Scotty, first, well, let's get to the West. Biggest surprise, Andrew Wiggins. How shocked were you to see that?
2: Whoa! I was very, very shocked. Um, that was one I wasn't really expecting. I thought they were gonna start um, somebody else. I can't think. It's the name on, my, on the tip of my tongue. I can't think of it right now. But I thought that it was deserving of someone else.
0: Draymond, you could Draymond at the three.
2: Nah, not Draymond. So it was some. It's somebody else in the West. I can't really. I can't think of it right now. But I feel like Andrew Wiggins. I
0: the only reason he got. Because of the Warriors that they're winning and the record that they got this season. Devin Booker. I'm oh, Devin about. Booker. Devin Booker. Devin Booker, I feel like, should have been named as a starter because of where Phoenix is at. And he's having a, an impressive season
2: Come, coming off a of finals loss. They um, right back to where they started. Their top. They got the best record in the West right now. So, I feel like he was snubbed. Andrew Wiggins definitely shocked me.
0: Yeah, is this the worst all-star starter that we've had in how long? Like, I'm trying to think. What have been some bad all-star starters? I
2: ain't going to say you the worst, but he's definitely, he definitely deserving to be an all-star. A starter? I'm not sure about a starter, though. Because he's definitely having a pool season until he's more efficient. He's averaging about almost 20, being, um, being a second option to Steph Curry in the starting lineup. So, And the Warriors got the second-best record. Of, in the West, so that that says something. I just don't believe he's should be a starter. I wouldn't call him the worst starter
0: though. No, but I'm saying would have been some bad All Star starters, like or like the lesser tier, maybe lesser tier because he's not bad, obviously.
2: And Draymond Green.
0: Draymond Green was an All Star starter. I
2: don't I think so. No, I don't think he ever was. I don't think he ever. Was.
0: I'm going to be honest, if you asked me before, like, Ulster Stars were announced, if I saw Wiggins on there, I wouldn't have even thought he should have been a reserve. Exactly.
2: That's what I'm saying. Like, he's more deserving of to be a reserve. And it's, it's not a knock on his game or anything like that. It's just, I feel like Devin Booker's impact with Phoenix is bigger than Andrew Wiggins' impact on the Warriors. That's all. Because you, you just look at that list. You know, you see, um, obviously, LeBron, John Moran, the Joker. Who was the other starter? I can't think of the name. can't think of the name be out here. It was LeBron, John Moran, Nikola Jokic. And somebody else. But to have Andrew Wiggins there, it kind of, yeah, I could die.
0: I don't know who voted, who voted for that. Was that the fan voting? Or yeah, that that's the, the fans.
2: Leader? That's the fans. Yeah, they need to they need to change that and go back to the league because I don't think the only way we gonna know if it works is if you know we see it on All Star. You know, they bring people out, which I'm pretty sure they will. It's gonna be in the city, so yeah. I can't think of like you know any other bad start stuff, so. but I do, I do, I do like this. I do like the, the starting five.
0: I do like the file. I guess my thing too is, like, let's look at this. So we have LeBron, Joker, Wiggins, Steph Curry, John Morant. Ja versus Donovan. How did you feel about that? Because Donovan has a case too. Yeah. Or you don't think so. You think it's Ja. Yeah, because
2: Ja is just, it's just his game. Kind of like the Kyrie effect. It's just he's just must see TV. It's kind of like Lamelo Ball too. Lamelo is going to be an All Star reserve because of just how the way he plays and like the impact he has on the court. Like Memphis is, they play better when Ja plays, and they, you know not that good when he when he doesn't play. They still compete when he don't play, but obviously like the flow, the pace, and like everything else is um engine is engine behind Ja. So, I definitely, and then like this all star weekend, and you're bringing people out, you want to bring fans to come and see you play. And I do think John Morant just more box office than Donovan Mitchell. Not, probably not better as a player, but he's definitely more box office.
0: I would agree with that. <clears throat> you know, also to Wiggins' point, and you know me, I love winning, Scotty. I love winning. The Warriors are what a top three seed in the Western Conference right now. Yeah. Like, and I guess this gets into the, the difference between, like, how much do you give a credit for a guy who's contributing a lot to a winning team as to how actually, how good they actually are. Like, for example, would you agree with this? Andrew Wiggins isn't a better basketball player than a, uh, I'm forgetting his name, the guard for Minnesota. Anthony
2: Edwards?
0: Yeah, he's not better than Anthony Edwards, correct?
2: No, nah, he's better.
0: You think Wiggins is better than Anthony Edwards? As a
2: basketball
0: what do you think Gabe Wiggins does better than Edwards?
2: You said why? Yes. Because his size and people sleep on Andrew Wiggins' defense. Andrew Wiggins can defend. He has with he has the size and the athleticism and the length. And then he can <laughs> shoot. He has a solid mid-range. He basically like there's nothing on the floor he can't do. And I you know you put him in the right system and I feel like he just you know you put him in the right system he can play his game let everything flow and the Warriors got that type of offense it's gotta give credit to the Warriors too though because they was able to bring a, um, another level out of that we thought we could never see we thought we'd never see before but I, I wouldn't I wouldn't say Anthony Edwards is a better basketball player than anybody. at least not yet a couple years maybe but not
0: yet okay how about Devin Booker
2: yes Devin Booker is a better player I would, I would And that's why that's why I said I I would replace Devin Booker with Andrew Booker personally. I would have had Devin, I wish Devin Booker would have been an All Star starter because LeBron said it a couple years ago. He always get disrespected, and it's and he one line
0: because that's I feel like that's disrespectful. But Anthony Edwards would also be more exciting to have in an All Star game.
2: Yeah, definitely, but not definitely. Yeah, as far as being boxed office, he is more boxed office. But that's because you know the dunks and how he is with the media. He's a classic, so people would want to see that. So he would be more exciting.
0: And Luca, I think you also are make an argument for Luca to be in the starting lineup or no? You're not ready to go there.
2: About Luca, but I think the Mavericks aren't having that good of a season to where people would have thought, you know. But he's, his numbers are still pretty much the same, almost a triple double. But I forgot about Luca. I'd rather want to see Luca too, but Luca doesn't. In the past couple All Star games, he hasn't done too well. So I, I guess that'd probably be like the reason why he's been in two. This about to be. This would be his third one if he obviously. I think he's going to be voted as a reserve. So this would be his third one. In the first two, he really didn't do all that great. So, I don't think, I don't think he's, I don't think the All Star Game setting isn't like fit for him. But hey, I think he 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 get it in the future if he keep playing anymore. But I forgot about Luca. That's definitely surprising too. Yeah, the Andrew Wiggins thing messed everything up.
0: <laughs> Wiggins is in over Luca, Donovan Mitchell, Devin Booker. A lot of good wings out there in the West. A lot of good wings who you could put in there. Uh, yes. you're going to try out a lineup though of Wiggins Joker LeBron Curry Morant so how how quickly before Wiggins gets a shot up out of that group
2: I think mm, I don't know that's a good question he probably going to get the
0: or are they all going to try to feed him and be like yay hey, Wiggins is in here yeah 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 yeah.
2: he's going to get a couple of Le- LeBron you know LeBron going to make sure of that you got the pass first person LeBron going to make sure of that it's just that's hard to dictate because of Andrew Wiggins, and it's his first All Star game. I'm pretty sure they're gonna have like a couple plays set up for him, like to you know, like to get like a few lives. Yeah, he he's an athlete. he's an athlete. He's great at you know catching lobs. So I feel like they're gonna have a couple plays like that. It might not be the first play. The first play might be drawn up for Steph or Ja or LeBron.
0: So let's go to the Eastern Conference starters: Kevin Durant, Giannis Antetokounmpo, Joel Embiid. Okay. Trey Young, DeMar DeRozan. If I told you at the beginning of the year DeMar DeRozan would be an all-star starter, what would you have said to me, Scotty?
2: Um, It was possible. It was possible. It was possible. It was possible. You look at the team that they had, you know, Vujicic and Levine and Lonzo, he definitely was going to be the best player or the second best player for sure. Like straight out, flat out. He better than Lonzo and he better than Vujicic. So now this type of season, he's arguably having an MVP season. Arguably, this could be his best season, even better than his last year in Toronto. So that's big. That's a big, big come up for DeMar DeRozan. The Bulls are top four, top three in the East right now. So I definitely would have, I definitely would have thought it'd be a possibility if he was to tell me he'd be an All Star starter at the beginning of the year because it's the East as well. If you look at who's in the East. The only people you know for sure that's going to be All Star starters are Kevin Durant, Joel Embiid, and Antetokounmpo. Everybody else, you know, is either is, is up for grabs, pretty much in the East.
0: So Trey Young was also named a starter. Any hesitancy with that? Because I know Trey and the Hawks have had a down year in terms of winning. Do you think that maybe there would have been somebody else more deserving than a Trey? Got it. The Cleveland Cavaliers. <laughs> so you would have been Darius in there. Yeah. Why not? Hey, that's right. I, I had nothing to say. Cavs are what? Top three seed in the East right now?
2: Yeah, we number four, man.
0: Number four. The Cavs need an all star. Honestly, they could have three. You could have Jared Allen Evan Mobley, and Darius Garland. I don't th- I mean I don't I think, think...
2: I, I would argue that Darius Garland and Jared
0: Allen should be reserves. They what, should be reserves. What about Mobley? Nah, he a rookie. He need one more year. One I mean, there's been rookies, though, that have made it. I don't know. You can make an argument that Mobley's the best player on the team, though.
2: You could... Eh, I don't... Eh, I, I... You could argue that, for sure. You could argue that. I will argue either between Jared Allen or Garland.
0: I think, though... I'm just saying, you can make a case for three Cavs to be on the All-Star roster. It won't happen, but you could argue that that should take place.
2: You could definitely argue, for
0: sure. Also, given the fact that they're, like... You know, one of the best teams in the East. I mean, and also I'll tell you this, right if the Cavs were the one seed in the East right now, for sure they would have three all stars. I guarantee you.
2: I think they wouldn't just because of the city. Just because of the city. I think they wouldn't. I still I still think the Cavs are gonna get the respect we deserve.
0: So you have a pretty good top three right here. Durant Giannis Joel. Uh, and then you have Trey, and then you have Demar. Uh, I love that. So, mm-hmm. if we're picking best player out of the who has the better starting five, the East or the West? Uh, on
2: paper, and that's a good one. I like the starters because it's it's like it's like balance, right? You know, I would take LeBron's. Really? Yeah.
0: So when they're playing five on five. LeBron's going to guard who? Probably Kevin Durant. Then who's Joker guarding? Embiid. Oh, well. Wiggins is guarding Giannis, right? Yep. Or, or, or Wiggins might have to date. Or if Wiggins and LeBron might have to switch. Wiggins might have to guard KD and LeBron. Might have to guard Giannis. And then Steph and Trey are guarding each other, right? Yeah. And then Ja. Got, uh, Demar. The hmm? And you're going to take that West team. Why do you like the West team more?
2: Because LeBron's teams is always winning the All-Star games.
0: <laughs> just the LeBron effect that's you're going with?
2: That's a fact. That's a, that's a fact. But, but that was just because they did the all um, the pick. The captains, they get the pick. LeBron's been undefeated since they started this format. So
0: That's fair. So what we're going to do is we're going to take a quick break and then kind of next... After the break on Barbershop Sports Talk, we're going to talk a little bit about who should be some of the all star reserves. Could up next after the break on um, Barbershop Sports Talk. No friends in the industry, my brother's
2: been my brother's main. Ain't no kidding me a fact. Well, yeah, you heard about
0: me, you don't know me more than that. Yeah, I know I. Hey, hey, yup. Yeah. No friends in the industry, my brother's been my brother's main. They ain't no kidding me a fact, whoa. I was never no snapping when I chat before the app. Stood on everything I said and never took it back. Whoa. No friends in the industry. I hate to draw the line between my brothers and my enemies. A fact So we're, we're back with Battle Sparks. I'm Scotty Johnson with us. So Scotty, let's get to the reserves. I am just gonna give you some guys. We start with the East Who I have for me as uh my reserves. I have Zach Levine, Jimmy Butler, Lamelo Ball, Jason Tatum, Chris Middleton, James Harden. I think guys like Evan Mobley, Demontis Sabonis can trickle in there. Obviously, we mentioned Jared Allen, the Cavs, Darius Garland. Out of all those guys, who are some guys that you think should be the East reserves?
2: Uh, Darius Garland, Jared Allen, you know my two Cavaliers. You know, Cleveland home guy, Uh, Lamelo Ball, Jimmy Butler.
0: Levine has to be in there. Levine. That's five. Harden. My boy Bam. Okay, Bam. That's six. And Jason Tatum. Okay, that's seven. So that means Harden's not in it. Harden's not in your East All-Stars. Nah, not this year. Neither's Chris Middleton. Nope. And neither's Jason Tatum. I said Jason Oh, Tatum. yeah, you did say Jason Tatum. You, you did say Jason Tatum. Jason Tatum was your last guy. So, it's
2: not that I was thinking about it, last. That's just I just named that's the name I just named I just said his name. But
0: how close is James Harden to breaking through? It is close. He just started the
2: season off bad. He definitely caught it back though, like towards like the middle of the season. But if he didn't never started off bad, then you know because Brooklyn also they had a they had a moment where they you know. They, they don't even think they, they're not even top. Yeah, they're not even top eight in the West. No, they're, they're the sixth seed right now. They're the sixth seed. If he would have started off, you know, like how the way he's playing now in the beginning of the season, they'd probably be in a better, you know, position right now. But right now, they're sitting at the sixth seed. So I don't think that he's not having his best year statistically or just on and off the court. They're talking about training him. So I don't think, like, you know, as an all star, no, not this year. And plus, fans ain't, you know, the fans ain't rocking with him. They don't like that. They don't like the whole, you know, it's the way he even got the brother.
0: Would you be fine if Kyrie Irving was in the All Star game?
2: Nah, I have a problem with that. Only because it's not fair to the players that's been, you know, playing and putting in the work to travel, the, doing the traveling and all that, so. Not fair. I but, definitely have a problem with Kyrie. Was the, was but game.
0: can't we say the All Star game is not very fair? This isn't like it's the All NBA team, which is more of a historical record of who were the best players that season, right? It's a showcase for the fans that players don't even play defense for, for three and a half quarters, right? Yeah, it's, yeah, but it's still a difference where you haven't like, you haven't played a game. We only played,
2: what, like 10 games? 9 games so far? And I don't even think it's been that he like, hasn't played at all. He almost, they had no intentional plan, so I just think it's not fair to the ones that actually been playing and putting on for the fans.
0: So, let's go to the West. So, some reserves for the West. Luca. We agree on that, right? Yeah, I think Luca's going to be definitely reserved. Donovan Mitchell. Donovan Mitchell. Chris Paul.
2: Chris Paul is definitely going to be a reserve because it's Chris Paul.
0: <laughs> cause it's Chris Paul. do you think Chris Paul would deserve one
2: yeah yeah he deserved it he deserved it he's been falling too even at the age he's a lot of people talk about LeBron but they don't talk about Chris Paul neither he's still he's not the dominant like, like how he used to be he still makes an impact from the floor he's still a winning player he's still a winning vet. he's a winning vet
0: I mean would you but say he's like, a top five point guard in the NBA
2: you could argue that I wouldn't probably have in my top five but you could argue that it's arguable
0: top ten for sure but that just shows how special this. Imagine he's this late into his career and he's still like, out of thirty or so teams, he's one of the ten best players without a doubt at his position.
2: At his position, that's that's so yeah, that says a lot. I think that's why a lot of people root for him to win.
0: Devin Booker. Yep. definitely. So we're at four. Rudy Gobert. Yep. Draymond Green. Nope. I
2: have. I'd rather have um. Kat. Okay.
0: Okay. So that's six then, right? We're at six.
2: Yeah.
0: So you have one more. And
2: Draymond. Yeah, Draymond. I
0: don't know about Draymond, man. There's Anthony Edwards, right? Yeah,
2: Anthony Edwards. Yes. Oh,
0: man. What about Clay? No, nah, he ain't played
2: that much. It might have to be Draymond.
0: <laughs> He's like, begrudgingly, it might have to be Draymond. I mean,
2: ain't nobody else in the West.
0: You know? Anthony he Davis? Been he been hurt.
2: Russell Westbrook ain't been playing. I mean, like, he been playing, but he ain't been playing his best.
0: Anthony Davis has played, like, 25 games, right?
2: Yeah, about, yeah, but I'm saying he ain't been playing his best, like, you know, like, to be considered an all-star, you know? Then, I'll go then i go and with I It'll be a toss-up between Anthony Edwards and Draymond. I got to pick one. I would rather want to see Anthony Edwards trick triple
0: mine. That's fair. I don't have an issue with that. I think I would go with Anthony Edwards. I think he's just going to be really excited to have an All-Star game. I really hope too because it gets the fans to know these young stars. Like, I don't think a lot of people are watching the Minnesota Timberwolves on League Pass. And I think Lamelo, him and
2: Lomelo and Jock, I think they're going to put on a show. I think they're going to go off. I think they're going to show a little, you know, Razzle dazzle to the crowd. You're gonna hear a lot of oohs and ahs from Lamelo Ja and Anthony Evans if they make Well, obviously you're gonna hear from Ja, but Lamelo and Anthony making, you're definitely gonna hear a lot of oohs and ahs.
0: So, Scotty, I want to thank you for coming on the podcast, man. I appreciate it. And I ask you one thing. Sure.
2: How you feel about the All Star game being in Cleveland this year?
0: I feel like I might even make a trip.
2: Might to come down. come <laughs> down, man. see down here. It's going to be crazy. It's going to be lit.
0: Maybe I have to see. Maybe, maybe I can make a guest appearance. Maybe.
2: You got to come down, man. I don't know how, you know, I don't know when the next time the All Star Game is going to be here, even though it's cold, but you got to make good
0: of it, man. You know? That's very fair. But thanks again for coming on, Scott. I appreciate it. Hey, thanks for having me, bro. Always. I want to thank both Scotty Johnson and Joe Malinax for coming on the podcast. I really appreciate it. And I want to thank all of you for tuning into this episode. The 387th episode of Barbershop Sports Talk. So sure you gon' need three promoters. Ooh. I got the battery from Jim Ellis but I had pushed the motors.